0: Welcome to the Winning with Shopify podcast, the podcast that will teach you to take your Shopify store and turn it into an automated sales machine with the latest marketing, email, sales, and social media advice, strategies, and tips from experts without the fluff. Your host, Caroline Balinska, the founder of JustAskParker.com, the only small marketing task agency for Shopify owners. With over 10 years experience in marketing, manufacturing, design, and e-commerce, she shares her knowledge and interviews the experts to help you in your journey to success. Now, here's your host, Caroline Balinska. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm
1: so excited today. I have got another amazing guest. I've been getting such great feedback about all my guests recently and this is just another one that I'm so excited to have here. So I have Tink Taylor with me today. He is the founder and president of DotMailer. If you haven't heard of DotMailer then you need to listen to this show because we're going to be talking all about emails today. And Tink actually has got over 20 years experience and the list of things that he has done is incredible. So let's go through some of them. He has been a pivotal part of the development of digital marketing, and both in the UK and the US. He is a serial tech advisor. He has been a key influencer and member of the UK Direct Marketing Association Email Marketing Council and also the Internet Advertising Bureau since 2006. He's also judged the email, mobile and agency categories for the UK DMA Awards for over half a decade. And in 2014, Tink was elected the advisory committee member of the board of the U.S. Direct Marketing Association's Email Experience Council. That was a mouthful, but he has done so much. And I guess the thing is, if Tink doesn't know the answer to anything to do with emails, then I think it was definitely a stupid question. So let's get straight in and ask you some questions. And hopefully my questions stay not stupid. So Tink, thank you so much for being here. How are you today?
2: I'm great. It's my pleasure to be here.
1: Wonderful, that was a mouthful of an introduction because I am amazed with how much you've done and I've been wanting to get you sure on the podcast for a while because I do know that you have got so much experience in this area. So I'm really excited about today. So how about you let us know a little bit more about you and what you're doing and you know more about .mailer as well?
2: Yeah, so I think what you said there, essentially I do, obviously I founded DotMailer way back in 1999, which unfortunately dates me. Uh, so i 've been out in the best part of twenty years, and i I work not only for DotMainer but I work as sort of a serial tech investor, so I work with a lot of tech companies out there that range from all sorts of wonderful things uh, outside of domain i 've worked very hard in industry uh, you mentioned things like the direct marketing association both in the u k and in the u s Actually I do some stuff in Australia as well um, and that 's more of an industry body so what what do they, those bodies do? We look at uh, what actually is good for the industry, and that, that you know, sometimes we have to ask ourselves some very difficult questions in terms of what we advise, in terms of best practice, which may or may not be above and beyond the local uh, legislation and laws. We're seeing a lot of data laws coming in. We've just seen, obviously, a lot of stuff going on in Europe. There's stuff going on in California. I actually live now in, in Canada. There's things like the car slack. So we're seeing increasingly amount of legislation. Uh, I think as an industry. Uh, Myself and all of my competitors sit around the table. I think before we were uh, broadcasting, I was talking about how we share uh, certain uh, knowledge and what have you. Um, And we we sit there and we actually come up with a number of best practices. And as I say, quite often they're above uh, what the local law is. But I think if you're doing stuff in the right way, we can kind of almost get to a point where we self-regulate and we don't need very very tight governance unfortunately some some countries and there are some bad actors that take advantage of that and that that's where uh, the legislators come in and actually come in with and, and, and enforce some laws and that's at that point you know we've worked very hard with um, various lobbying bodies to help you know, people like the eu to come up with their data policies we're working very hard uh, in the u.s you know in, all the way up to the white house for some of the some of the guys you work with, in terms of helping them shape some of the data privacy laws that are coming out today?
1: I think the White House needs some help with privacy. Okay. <laughs> there's, there's, there's a, there's a lot, I think
2: there's a lot that could probably be helped with at the moment.
1: <laughs> so I think it's a little bit like everyone talking about the Google updates of the Panda and the Penguin and things like that and saying, well, why are all these things coming out and affecting me? But I guess if you're doing the right thing to begin with, then you can pretty much say that you are going to be okay out there so you don't really need to be afraid of these things if you're doing the right thing in the first place
2: uh, absolutely and one of the challenges i mean we talk about panda and having you know, sort of a bit of a, that's a mystery box that lives behind google and you know people you know do very well on selling that we have the insight into what's going on with something like email when we look at you know the gdpr laws that came in Literally everyone is an expert on email these days because they carry it around in their pocket. Number one app that they use on their mobile phones is looking at their email these days. You know, so um, everyone has an opinion on it. And everyone's talking about GDPR and, and what, what does it mean. So I, I often talk about, when we talk about the um, the data laws and, and what does it mean and what should we do, it's almost a mum and dad test uh, to me. What do they, what do mum and dad understand when they're ticking a box, giving permission, doing data, whether that's on Facebook or via email, do they really understand what's happening with that? Because if they do, then I think we've won. Whilst it's unsure and whilst there's opportunities for people to take advantage of that uh, uncertainty uh, and use to exploit that data in, in maybe the various ways, that's why we need the legislation. But if mum and dad know they're giving their data away for free, and they know the value exchange they're getting for doing that, then I think we're in a much better place.
1: Yeah, it's so true. And like you said, I think if we self-govern and, you know, look after that, then I think it's about looking after everyone as a society and just doing the right thing by people.
2: Yeah. I don't think we should 100% self-govern. I think there should be governance. I think it's welcomed and required. But my my challenge sometimes is those that are bringing in laws that affect the technical side of the world, Uh, Maybe their understanding of the bigger picture of how the tech works doesn't marry up to just sort of a a, a blanket law that they may come up up with. So that's why we work quite hard with them to explain that now you've done this, it might break this. I know you're trying to fix problem A, but you've caused problems B, C and D here. Uh, And it's opened their eyes to that. So it's working working hard with, with those people to make sure we come up with something that's even and fair. Especially with you know, from a consumer point of view, that's the, the, obviously the primary, and most critical thing. But also, it doesn't also affect lots of people's uh, jobs and what have you that work in sort of a tech environment where some of the stuff is dependent. So it's a balance.
1: So I don't want to waste time on the basics of email marketing. I think everyone understands what it is, but. I want to ask you about the importance of email marketing because I think a lot of people while they know what it is, they still don't seem to grasp the fact that it is important. And I've seen some stores doing, you know, turning over half a million dollars a year and not looking at their email marketing in the way they should be. So can we talk a little bit about the importance of email marketing for e-commerce stores?
2: Yeah, I mean, really purely and simply, if you look at this, there's so much research out there and, hey, there's probably e-consultancy over there uh, in Europe that have been running reports for years on what delivers the highest return on investment. And email has always been number one. If it's not number one, it's number two for the last 10, 15 years. So uh, obviously, email makes money. So not to do it. It would be borderline stupidity, I, I think. Um, the the other thing is because email is so effective, you can do it really badly and still get results. So I think one of the challenges we see with email is people, typically at the smaller end in the SMB B, B world, you'll have someone whose daily job is maybe they're the, the owner-founder. They're also doing marketing. Uh, maybe they're doing email, they're also doing search, they're also doing social, maybe they've got an event, maybe they're sending something out in the post. So time is very limited and they get very stretched. So they only sort of put the bare minimum effort into into email itself. Uh, and they're not actually maximizing the returns that they could get there. It, it was quite an eye-opener for me. Many, many years ago, I, I took .mainer to open up in the U.S. And the type of customers that we were, we were dealing with there, you look at the job titles. There's a job title I'd never seen before until I'd gone to the US. They, you'd be selling into the email marketing director, and he would have a team, or he or she would have a team of maybe five or six people. That is how much the the US had recognised that email is so important. It had its own division and own uh, member on the board uh, entitled email director because it delivers so much revenue. So I think, yeah, everyone knows email works. I think email works from everyone, how much we can get it to work. I think there's, there's so much that still can be done that most people are sort of scratching on the surface. And, and an interesting report that Doc Mailer does, we, we run a, a report for, for e-commerce merchants every year. I think it's something we've done almost for 10 years now called Hitting the Mark. you easily find us on our website. But we, we review uh, 100 e-commerce platforms, uh, e-commerce uh, merchants, rather, around the world We sign up for their newsletters, we go and we abound and browse, we put stuff in the cart, we do all the things that a regular shopper would do, and we monitor what we receive over a six month period. And it's absolutely staggering. We're looking at pretty big brands here, by the way. It's staggering that the big brands are still only, in most cases, doing the very basics. And you've got to ask yourself why? Is it because you're time poor or the systems they're using technically are just too challenging to do some of the sort of What we would consider the staples for other people to see that as super advanced.
1: Wow, that's fantastic. So, what I'll do in the show notes on justasparker.com, I'll actually put a link to your post, to your page about hitting the mark.
0: Oh, yeah,
2: sure. It's a really good, I think it's 150 pages full of. Really, really good stuff. Uh, Just and, an
1: easy bedtime reading for everyone. Yeah. And I highly know it sounds absolutely amazing. I think it is the sort of thing that you should be getting your hands on and reading because I think it will give people a, like a big eye-opener to what's going
2: on. Sure. We pull no punches. The 100 brands are deliberately filtered around the world so we can compare the differences in Australia to, say, the US to the UK. and uh, Not all of them are our customers. So the report doesn't simply read these guys are doing this well or not uh we it's we focus on the positives but also call out the negatives some pretty big brands we have some tough conversations when this come out when people say how dare you say this are you doing this yes or no it's like no you're not you're right should you be doing it yes i should
1: (laughs) yeah Good, good. I'm definitely going to put a link in there. I think it sounds very interesting. I'm going to follow up on that myself as well. So there's sort of, we sort of class emails into, it depends how many you want to count, six or seven categories. But can you sort of give people what you class as sort of the categories of automated emails that every Shopify store owner should be doing?
2: That's that's a great question, actually. Um, there's something that, that we've done, done for, for many years. I, and I, I, if I put my sort of more industry hat on rather than my .mailer hat. When I when I sit maybe at the bar with all of my competitors and we, we, we chew the customer over what's happening in the industry, we look at a lot of um, retailers and they ask us a lot of questions. Your platform must be capable of doing this, 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 and this when we're talking about you know an RFP sort of stage of, uh, of things. And then we actually see people get into the platform and then they don't use it. They, you know, this feature they demanded, and and that's where we actually try to understand why that uh, what what that's about. So we we our, our ethos at .main has always been um, providing NASA technology with a Fisher Price interface, so making the difficult things easy. So we've removed that excuse, the fact that it was too difficult to do. So what was the next excuse? And I think what we found is that a lot of people having. Tested whether this and that is possible when you know we're going through the sales process. It kind of gets right writers blank as soon as I've got the tools. Like I've got this great automation capability. What do I do with it? And the mind just goes blank. So we came up with uh, there's a great PDF that we we have. And it's a cheat sheet somewhere. It's called the top ten automations that every retailer should have. And we actually have a B2B version of that. You know, every B2B retailer, some of the automations might be slightly different. And then people still didn't do all of those i mean we um they might do some of them so what we actually put into our platform we have a number of templates of automation you should use so it's almost go and color these in so they they come from you know the welcome programs um right the way through uh i think we were talking earlier you came up with a list of abandoned carts upsells post-purchase re-engagement and that kind of things so i think there's um there will be definitely staples that you should be doing um each one of the, these automations actually provide revenue so why wouldn't you do them uh, it's a bit like being given a golden goose and not collecting the eggs so yeah. i always recommend people to have a look at that pdf here's the top 10 automations make sure you implement them and then go back to your vendor and say what other automation should i be doing i like quite often uh when i'm sort of around the world doing speeches i i I talk about um, trying to implement maybe one automation a week uh, or a month. Okay. If you do that, you have 12 automations in play. If you do once a week, you've got 52 automations in play. You will be the envy of all of your competitors, and each one of those will be driving revenue. So it's something you should always be looking at. So get the basics in play, those ones I mentioned, welcome, panel bar, upsell, etc., etc. et, cetera, et cetera. Uh, double check against our PDF for sure because there's, there's 10 or 9. It's a test of my knowledge now so that, to remember all those off the top of my head. Um, get those implemented. But once they're done, I think everyone should have those. So what else could, could you be doing that's specific um, to your business?
1: I love that. I love what you said about implementing one a week. I think that that's a very easy thing to put aside, you know, one hour once a week, like you said, <laughs> and that ends up being 52 for the year.
2: I think, yeah, the reason why I say that, there's lots, of, there's lots of retailers out there that are doing really sophisticated stuff, that we all sit there and we hear them at conferences, they're speaking, and they sound like they've done something really sophisticated. Uh, and they have, but they've just taken time. But it, it feels like a, a huge task to get where they are. And I, I love looking at the bigger picture and then breaking it up into bite-sized chunks. So by saying we do one a week, we we have a mailer where we start small, Um, Think big, but then scale quickly and that's that breaking things up into bite-sized chunks So if you do one of one a week, or even one every two weeks by the end of the year. You've got 20 odd uh, um, Automations in play and then your job is really to monitor and tweak and test the content the offers You know the call to actions in those those emails But the, the hard work has been done in getting them set up and each one of those should be driving revenue so when it comes back to as I say especially at the SMB level where the individuals are very, very time poor. I think, as I say, email makes money regardless, and it's easy to overlook spending proper time finessing what you can do with it because the results are phenomenal if you do that uh, that right. And actually to ignore it and focus on another part of the business, uh, that's great, but you are leaving money on the table by not doing it.
1: Yeah, I think it's interesting because a lot of people come to me and they say, help me set up Facebook ads, help me get more traffic to my website. And then I go, hang on, but what are you doing with the traffic that's already there? What are you doing with the traffic that's already coming to your website? And they're like, oh no, they didn't buy anything. Okay, so you got someone to your website once and then they didn't buy. So now you're going to spend even more money trying to get more people to your website that are not going to buy. And I find out they don't have any sort of email set up. So... Like you said, it's going to make them money. So I always tell people, stop, don't start running ads until you put other things in place, like you say, the email.
2: Yeah, I agree. And, and, and thank goodness there's people like you in this world that, that you give advice. I mean, I always um, look at things in terms of individual channels. You know, we have moved into a world when we put ourselves in our consumer's shoes in our daily lives, that we are multi or omni channel these days. I think one of the challenges in the past is things like email came along, it's so accountable, you can see how many emails are open, how much revenue you made and what have you. We kind of came along and looked at traditional DM and went how much more effective we can be. And then over the years, we've had other channels come in and say, oh, we're social, you know, email is dead, or you we're know, um, SMS or whatever, we're now push, or we're Facebook. This is going to kill email. But the actual reality is we do live in an omni-channel world. Ironically, Email is now really sexy again because I describe it as your digital key. It's the glue that binds all the other channels together. You know, when I log into Facebook, how do I do that? I use my email address. When I go and do online banking, what do I use? I do my email address. If I try and buy anything online, I need my email address. So if I am doing Facebook ads or I am doing some other social, maybe on an Instagram and Twitter, the strategy really is about driving traffic. But the number one thing you should be doing when you're driving that traffic is trying to collect the email address because then they're accountable. You can then attribute ROI from where that email address is signed up from. So we can now give value and ROI to some of the social channels that historically may have struggled in that area but they all bind together and it's the email that's the key so if you are doing facebook ads or if you are doing you know some twitter stuff and so on make sure you're driving to a landing page and the goal and objective there is to get the email address because once you have you can turn that email address into revenue
1: fantastic and you keep on talking about making money that everything makes money do you have any statistics like is it five percent that people can make is it fifty percent what, what have you sort of seen with people that sign up with dotmailer? Um,
2: yeah that's it really is quite a broad um, question and it does depend you know it's a typical uh, email answer is like it depends you know, test it and what have you. We actually run um, we have uh, Google stats and we have a template uh, a dashboard that you can go into into your Google Analytics and download uh, and that links to your dotmailer account. And we'll show you how much revenue is coming from email. We'll also show you how much revenue is coming from email plus search, email plus social and what have you. So it's a nice template. It's free for everyone. Um, what that also does, it enables us to say, how much revenue are I getting from my regular newsletter? How much am I getting from my welcome? How much am I getting from my abandoned car? So when we look at people who haven't set up those uh, automations, the stat is zero. So they're getting nothing. What we are seeing, though, is with the people that have enabled them, we're seeing some astonishing stats. They're seeing, you know, and I can't promise this to everyone, but in some cases we see thousands of percent in terms of ROI because it is really one-time setup. It just fires and repeats.
1: Yeah, I think that's the thing that a lot of people say to me, and I I still hear this all the time, and I keep repeating it, but I keep hearing it from people of people saying to me, oh yeah, but you know, I'm scared to send emails because I'm scared to upset that person. And like you're saying, yeah, it's, it works. It actually gets responses. And I always say to people, well, take a look at the emails that you're getting from people. If you signed up for an email list for like Victoria's Secrets, a good example. Yeah. I get those emails on a regular basis. I'm not buying something regularly, but I love getting the emails because I love waiting to find out when something comes up in those emails that I do want.
2: Yeah, so I missed missed the first part of that. Um, I think what you're saying there is, um, as a recipient, when you're a consumer, you get um, some content, and you really like the content. And therefore, you you, you have much more affiliation with that brand. None of that has happened by mistake. Um, So what should have happened there is someone has looked at your previous buying behavior. They might have looked at your browsing behavior. they might look to your location, your age, all of those data points that can be stored. They've used that and segmented you in such a way to send you a one-to-one email that is relevant and giving you relevant content. And that's relevancy is what gives you results. So when we talk about doing some of these automations, abandoned car upsells and all that kind of stuff, the reason why we're doing that is we're delivering a more personal experience to each recipient. And it's that personal experience or that one-to-one experience that delivers the relevancy. We all are experts at email. We discussed this before uh, when we were off air. When we get all those emails in the morning we wake up to, they just don't seem relevant. No one's putting any effort into it. So they're the the regular newsletters, one size fits all. You know it's been blasted out to everyone. And how much uh, care do you feel that brand really has about you? None. And they're the ones that you sit there and consistently delete there's always a few that you leave behind and they're the ones that you value and you value because someone's gone to a bit of effort to make sure they've sent the right message at the right time to the right person.
1: So I think on that point, um, we're jumping ahead a little bit, but I think it's a good time to bring it up. What people need to understand is that with a system like dotmailer and there's a lot of systems out there that do this sort of thing. And I think it just depends on, what they're already using to check if they're able to do it in their own system. Some systems can't do it. But if someone goes to the page for blue shoes, then you can send them more items like those blue shoes as an email. And I think that's what you were just explaining that that segmentation is what makes a big difference because that email that's coming is personalized and it's very easy to do this sort of thing. Yeah.
2: yeah absolutely. hundred um, percent. Right. I mean, you, you could, you could kind of be creepy about it and say, hey, I, I saw you looking at this web page. I saw you putting this stuff into your, a cart and what have you. But actually, if, if you use the right language and the right approach, the data points that you hold could be really valuable and it helps you engage that customer because at the end of the day, they're going to their inbox and that's not relevant, that's not relevant. Oh, really, I'm really, really interested in that kind of stuff. That's great. And that's where you can then start binding some of these other channels together. I mean, .mailer these days is is much more than just email, we we send Facebook messages, we can link into your uh, Facebook ads, Google ads, that kind of stuff, Um, send push messages and and so on. And, And it's about sending the right message these days, not only at the right time to the right person, et cetera, it's also in the right channel. And it's all about adding value and building that customer experience where when we're recipients, we really love the way that brand deals with us.
1: So, what would you recommend if you had a client who had a drop shipping sort of business and they sold just a lot of different sort of products? What would be the sort of emails that you would recommend that they set up when it comes to creating that sort of customer experience, a customer journey? So you'd, of course, a welcome email, but then you'd get them to set up an email where it's based on looking at X, Y, Z, these amount of pages, then they get an email. What would be, what would be your recommendation? for? Yeah,
2: that, the that is, there's, there's a number of, number of them there that you, when you hit on nail on head there is like, we see you looking at this. Most people tend to shop on price when they're online. So they might have looked at, at your site for a product and now they might be shopping somewhere else for the same product and be getting the best price. So send them an email. It doesn't have to be the best offer because actually what what could actually um, help a deal is just reaffirming to people the cost of shipping, the returns policy. So maybe sending something out like that and going, hey, we see you're looking at that. By the way, if it's wrong in any way, this is how we would deal with that situation. Giving peace of mind. This is how much the delivery is going to cost and what have you. So when you start putting that stuff at the end of the process, people typically may be slightly more put off because they just don't know. So, yeah, you know, engaging people through that process. I think one of the other ones that you've mentioned before to me is things like education and updates and information. Now I'm looking at a product. Well, I think the way we shop there online has very much changed. Uh, so, that education is really, really key. We're all surfing online, looking for reviews, looking for opinions, looking to be educated. About this product, so why not say we see you looking at this? Here's some top things about this particular product that you may, may may or may not know. We also have this product as an alternative. You know, it's a slightly different price point, but you might consider it because here's the differences, etc. Also, don't take our word for it. Look at what the reviews are saying about this. So that again, that's another typical email that you can send out. Or you've bought something, you say you say thank you. Whilst you're saying thank you, it's a good time to ask. How's your experience being uh, the value exchanges? Uh, perhaps is a, a voucher for next time. Uh, if you complete the review, tell us what you really think of our service and/or our product.
1: Yeah, fantastic. So, in that case, would you, um, if you're putting those emails together, how would you collect their email address in the first place? Let's say it's a new person landed on your website. What would be, so you're, how do you send these emails to people if they haven't bought anything before?
2: Right, yeah, so you, you, there's a number of things you can do. Um, the number one thing that you shouldn't do is go and buy them. Yeah. Buying buying email address, buying data, um, whilst it feels like a, a fast track to here's a list of people that will be interested in my products, um, the challenge you face is most companies like Dotmailer these days actually ban you if you go and purchase data. Uh, it breaks our terms and conditions. And one of the reasons for that is when we try to send email, um, yeah, we are very dependent on the likes of Gmail or Hotmail, et cetera, et cetera, allowing our emails into the inbox. One of their biggest problems, you know, if you look at someone like um, Gmail, they get something like 12 to 20 billion emails a day, and the vast majority of those are spammers. That's and spam exists because email is so effective. Why would people bother doing it? So, if you bought data, you're kind of behaving a bit like a spammer because the recipient doesn't remember giving you permission, they know that they know nothing of you. Suddenly, you're sending them emails, so they start complaining. They hit this is junk. So, all of those votes that they're hitting on in, in their the email client you know this is junk or moving it into a delete folder and what have you is giving the receivers an indication that they don't want you to receive those emails and they see that time and time again that these emails that have been purchased have been purchased by a myriad of other people and they're all sending the same generic stuff so they know that's not good so that's a very very quick way to get your emails blocked uh, it gets uh, vendors like ourselves blocked so um as soon as we see someone doing that, you know, it re- violates our terms and conditions and ourselves and all of our competitors will ask, ask people to leave. Um, so that, that brings us on to really focusing on about how do I then build my own list? Because your own list is going to be so much more active and more engaged with you. So I've got up and talked to businesses, whether they're e-commerce or not. If it, every single touch point, that you have with a client or a prospect ask them can I opt you into our email and whether that's in my daily life I travel around the world yeah you know, I, I book a hotel why have you not asked for my email address when I, when I right rec- walk up and register I book a flight have you asked me for email you know nowadays people want email receipts and what have you so you, you ask that uh, permission uh, when you when you're making a transaction if they haven't made that transaction yet yeah, the first thing you see a lot of pop-ups on on, on the website. Hit, give us your email address. Here's our permission statement in terms of keeping us legal in terms of the the, the the laws around data privacy. This is talking the language of your brand. Explain the benefits for them to do it. Are you joining a VIP uh, program? You get promotions or first uh, to see the best content that we have, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And this is what we're going to do with data. How often we're going to send. Uh, and and how long we're going to keep your data so be clear about the value exchange and then look at other other ways of driving people to that you know there's no harm having a competition we talked about social before if it's facebook ads or twitter or what have you link to a landing page that page is going to uh, sign up the email address in some way or form so it's, it's key that you when you're doing that as i say tell everyone what the value exchange is about why they should do it because you're you're asking someone to give up a lot of personal information by doing that. And they will do that willingly if the carrot you're offering them is very clear and is to their to their benefit.
1: Fantastic. And what about subject lines? So if they're sending these emails out, like you said, that once they've signed up, um, we've got their email address, and then we know they've looked at these blue shoes and they've looked at these red shoes, now we're sending an email that's all automated in the system to send these emails, what sort of subject lines do you use for those sort of emails?
2: Oh, that's a, that's a massive topic. I, I I try and keep it quite quite broad. Firstly, in the subject line, never lie. Uh, I think there's nothing worse than being sold a promise. You know, you look at this email, there's great information about X, and then when you go to the email, there's nothing about X. Uh, so don't make fake promises. I think in the world of e-commerce, the stuff that typically works well is delivery you know, delivery details uh offers promotions and what have you what i actually see with subject lines they become quite um it's almost fashion what goes on what, what's what's in vogue and what's not so a number of years ago if you personalize the subject line with with the recipient's name it got a lot of traction uh it got a lot of opens but the trouble is our friends out there the spammers that are doing the legal things noticed as well so they started sending a lot of email using that in their subject line so that then started to be something that would be used to be blocked i think we've gone full circuit on that and nowadays that type of thing is working really well how long would that last i think that's uh still to be seen but what it does tell me is you should always be testing your subject line uh, i think there's lots of uh lots and lots of myths out there that people talk about in best practice how how many characters you should or shouldn't have uh really I would spend some time testing it there are some fantastic tools out there that will actually help generate some um subject lines uh things like frazy um mm-hmm. based in the UK they use a bit of ai to really sort of understand what um, can and cannot be used so there's, there's actually a little niche market so if you're struggling for time to actually come up with a subject line test and variance, there is help out there that you can do this a, a bit more programmatically. But the obvious ones, I would say, probably your the, the listeners on your podcast. you know, just Look at things like telling what the delivery costs, the delivery times, what promotions and offers. Those things um, do work in e-commerce. Obviously, everyone's doing that, so you want to stand out from the crowd. So sometimes, um, I always like to say t- test the ludicrous and ridiculous because no one else is doing that you might stumble upon something that really really works and and something that we we actually offer we do a re-mail so if we send out an email with the subject line and we see it's never opened you can automatically send the same email so you've got the same content no effort um but send it x amount of days later with a different subject line so you can see what works and what doesn't in terms of engagement
1: yeah, that's fantastic. That's just an automated setup that when you're setting up the actual email, you just tick a box, yeah, and it just sets yeah, that up
2: for you. It's pretty much zero effort. Um, mm. uh, to my frustration, not not everyone uses it, but everyone I've seen that uses it get fantastic results. And as I say, it's virtually no effort. It, it yeah. all sits there in the background. And that's a lot of the stuff about automation is once you set it up, it's just tweaking and monitoring the results and making fine-tunings and uh, to get you better and better returns. It's, it's, it's wonderful. It's set up. It's all done for you.
1: And something like that, someone could turn around and go, okay, this is the first subject line. This is going to be the second subject line if they don't open it the first time. And then you go back and look on your statistics and say, okay, well, now I know that that one, you know, the second email actually got more opens. So now I'm going to do that one as my first email subject line. And then the second one, I'm going to change to something else now and start testing it that way as well. Yeah. That's an easy way to test.
0: Hmm.
2: A- absolutely. And, and it does, yeah, this what sort of moves me on to a little bit of another automation is re engagement. There will always be a number of people in your database that um, aren't, aren't engaging. And this is where the multi-channel thing comes in actually really well. If you can marry the data you have in your email list, you know, that's, Say every email address you you can equate a bit of revenue. I call it email equity. Um, But you can see are people engaging um, with me on Facebook, and you link that together with email. Are they engaging with with Twitter? Um, Maybe we'd do an outreach via those channels to drive back to a landing page to engage them. Uh, again with email why is it you're not engaging do you want to see this 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 information currently we hold this information on you is that out of date etc cetera, etc cetera. so binding those things together I think is very key
1: yeah fantastic and uh, dotmailer does that automatically eh? you can set all of that up quite easily yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that people need to understand that there's a lot of tools out there that will help them make their life easier. It sounds a little bit overwhelming that someone's going, okay, now I've got to add another sort of thing to my system and now I've got to think about adding social media in with my email. But really what you're talking about is a one-off setup that once it's set up it all, it does it on its own automatically.
2: Yeah, it should, should do. And then say so you're testing and tweaking um the, the content and, and, and things like the subject lines, the call to actions, the promotion itself, uh, testing the stuff that really moves the needle, but the the tech stuff's done. I'd, I'd advise anyone, including if they were looking at Dotmailer and any of these things, of social or another email platform, is to get your hands on it, because I think one of the things we uh, see is, you know, all these vendors, we're all in marketing, right? We're, all, we're, we're selling marketing technology, so we're quite good at marketing and spin. So a lot of these companies promise the earth, you can do this, this, this that, and the other, and it's really easy. I, I encourage most people to have a test drive, do a, get your hands onto a demo account or something like that, and really see for yourself how easy and suitable it is it for your own technical skills or your team, maybe what the skills they have at the time they have, are they really going to be able to put this together or not?
1: Yeah, that's really good advice. And you mentioned before the um, about subject lines called phrasier. I just want to put that into the show notes as well. So what was it? Is it PH or F? How do you spell Yeah, I
2: can, uh, there's one other one. That that's mind. okay.
1: You can send it to me afterwards if you yeah, want if you to. Yeah, you remind me, I'll send you the links. Yeah, perfect. Okay, so for everyone listening, I will put that in the show notes so people can find an easy way to get uh, okay. subject lines as well. That'll be good. And I just wanted to ask you about the statistics. We sort of mentioned it a little bit, but what let's say someone sets up 10 different emails, what should they be looking at in the statistics? Like a lot of people go, oh yeah, I've got statistics. And you mentioned um, Google analytics, but a lot of people don't understand how to read it and decipher it. So what sort of things should be the pop out areas that they should be looking for?
2: I'll take a deep breath now because I'm likely to rant, but i think people people obsessed on open rates. And for me, they mean nothing. Um, when you look at an open rate, I've got an open rate, say maybe 10%, 20%. That's great. When you actually dive into the data, it's never exactly the same 10 or 20% of people opening your email every time. So a good friend of mine, Dana, we've worked in the industry for many years, coined the term, open reach and what what he talks about is how many times you've been open over a period of time and what is that period of time it's whatever's relevant for that particular business and the frequency that you should be talking to them so maybe it's monthly maybe it's weekly maybe it's quarterly so the message really is sending more messages actually gets you more opens in aggregate not a percentage the percentage doesn't mean anything so what are the aggregate scores What are the aggregate opens? What are the aggregate clicks? And what is your aggregate revenue? And when you start looking at it like that, you see that every single email that you send actually gives you more points or or revenue to those aggregate scores. So it kind of changes your mindset. I think a lot of people will say we're all experts in email, right? Because email sits in our pocket. We've encouraged people over the years to send more. And it feels it kind of it, it, rubs, it rubs against the, the grain of feeling like, oh, am I sending too much? You can actually test that because if you send more, you'll see more opens in aggregate, more clicks and more revenue in aggregate. And if you send too much for your database, you actually see more people unsubscribe. But I think most people, what they don't do is test um, the cadence of they sending more uh, to the point where that people start to unsubscribe. As soon as they do that, obviously you pull it back a little bit um now that obviously springs up another another debate there if i'm going to send more you can't send the same stuff to everyone all day every day If we're sending one email a day a one size fits all strategy simply doesn't fit at that point so that's where these automations come in so how am i going to send more well i'm going to send my regular monthly newsletter but i'm going to have more automations that mean that emails are going out all of the time every day someone's getting an email. Every time they get an email, that's an opportunity to increase your aggregate scores from open to clicks and everything. So they're the ones that I think you should focus on. Unfortunately, I think the industry has trained us to look at what's the best open percent, what's the best click-through rate, and what it might be. None of them make money. <laughs> so I think we're transfixing them. So I, I encourage people to look at aggregates over a period of time.
1: Fantastic. That's great advice. And I think you are the first person who's spoken like that because you're right. Everyone talks about open rates and um what's
2: well, the very dollar for every time someone's asked me that i'll be a very rich man but yeah and it, 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 they wouldn't be very rich even if they had the right answer so i mm-hmm. think yeah focus, focus on what gets results uh, and look at those aggregate results is 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 much more meaningful to the bottom line of any business
1: yeah fantastic and so tell us a little bit about Dot mailer i've kept you on the line for quite some time now so You've mentioned a couple of things about um, being able to integrate into social and um, other things that you can do with .mailer. If anyone's listening and realising, hang on, okay, I need to take this seriously, um, do you offer the demo account that you were speaking about? What can people do with .mailer? How can they get in touch with you?
2: Yeah, um, uh, .mailer.com is, is the address. Yeah, there's a link to a demo or a trial account there. Uh, we have most of the features turned on. There are some that, that aren't by default because just, there's just a little bit more tech or explanations going on there. So typically, we get someone uh, to contact you to to run through your requirements and show them uh, the, 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 the bits of the platform that's relevant. Obviously, we've come from a long way back, 20 years ago, .mail being primarily email. and We release... Uh, software pretty much every two weeks so we've made a, a ton of upgrades over the years and those upgrades have really now taken us into the multi-channel world we we, we acquired a, a company called Kamapi uh, best part 12 months ago and that really now enables <coughs> excuse me our automation center where all the good stuff happens all the decisions about have you opened have you not uh, how long have you been unengaged if they clicked on this content we used to send another email What we can now do is say, well, why don't we send an SMS or a push message, maybe a Facebook message, that kind of thing. Um, So just make sure that we're sending in the right channel so everything is bound together and we're we're delivering that that perfect customer experience by um, utilizing every channel in the right way at the right time. Sounds complicated, but it it really isn't. We have a nice UI uh, that makes these things pretty simple. And then we have integrations into what we think of the quality uh, third-party applications. So we have an integration into things like Shopify and e-commerce. Well, we do big commerce and Magento in the sort of CRM space. We do dynamics and Salesforce and so on. So we have a number of integrations into sort of other third-party vendors that we know are well-used, well-liked and are good, good, good apps.
1: So if anyone's interested, then they should just get on the website. I'll put it in the show notes as well so people can find it there. And get on and do the demo. Like you said, you've got to get comfortable. You've got to know that you can use that system. And from everything I know about DotMailer, it is a very easy-to-use system. So I'm sure everyone's going to be happy with that. But just email. I think you mentioned that right at the beginning. You know, if you're not emailing, then that's how you're failing. So you've got to send emails.
2: You have to say, I think the broadest frustration is people give it the bare minimum uh and still get fantastic results i think they're doing really well there's so much more that can be done and you'll be absolutely smashing it if you just afford a little bit more time to add a little bit more to what you're doing with email
1: super so everyone walks away from this podcast and the one thing that they have to do is do at least one email every fortnight tink has said it you've got to listen to him you've got to do it and you'll find a big difference in your business Wonderful. Well, Tink, thank you so much for taking the time for being here today. It has been wonderful. You've really opened our eyes to a lot of different things when it comes to email marketing. So thank you for being here.
2: Uh, My pleasure. It's been been really fun. It's been great to to spend some time hanging out with you as well before the, the podcast.
0: Wonderful. Thanks, Tink. Thanks everyone for listening. And until next time, keep smiling. Thanks for listening to the Winning with Shopify podcast. Join the Facebook group, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash winning with Shopify and get our show notes at justaskparker.com forward slash podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. And as a listener, get 20% off at justaskparker.com by using the code podcast.